This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Good morning, everybody. Crappy Mondays. And welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by the Mirror's Showbiz Editor Features, Jessica Bolton. Good morning, Jess. Good morning, Susie. Lovely to see you again. Yes, and you. Sorry we're a bit late, everybody. We've had to sort out our fringes. We've had fringe nightmares this morning. That's what Mondays are like. Um, now, this is the People's Paper Review, so please get into the comments. Ask us your questions. We will do our best to answer them for you. Let us know what you think of what's making uh, the headlines today. Those of you listening later on podcast are just going to have to wonder why everyone wants a change of government. So what have we got for you today? Well, the Mirror has splashed on Labour's plans to send what it calls super teachers. Surely they're all super teachers into schools that are rated inadequate, which are more likely to have pupils on free school meals. And therefore they need the help. It's part of the education and skills policy sort of set, which is Labour is launching this week. Hello, Grace. Uh, now, I've got a story in the paper today, good old page 22, and because this is my show, we're going to discuss it, whether Jess likes it or not. It's about a new... <laughs> it's right in your ballpark. It's really showbiz. Uh, it's about the nuclear test veterans I've written about for 20 years for the Mirror. And last week, in response to a question from the SNP's defence spokesman, Owen Thompson, the MOD admitted it had never bothered to check whether the men that were intentionally exposed to radiation during Cold War bomb tests were left infertile as a result. Now, yes, this just beggars belief, really. Infertility is something that modern radiotherapy patients if you have cancer and you have to have radiotherapy it's one of the things you would be warned of as a side effect mm. it's something that science has known since before the time of these tests um it's been known about for decades yet the mod just didn't think it needed to check its own servicemen who it put in harm's way the whole the, the, i mean as you know you've been campaigning on this for 20 years and everything around what happened to them on on these operations it just screams of injustice and this is just the final one as well because you know, having being able to have a family afterwards and things like that that is something you should be at least be warned about the dangers of um it's not that there would have been much they could probably have done if they'd gone on that operation and this has happened but at least at least have that conversation with people at least be open about it afterwards i mean, yeah. It, it, these are people that have sacrificed for the country and they've not been treated as they should be at all. No, I mean, it's kind of, it's astonishing really, because I think half of what the MOD was trying to do at the time, apart from building the bomb to bombs, was trying to say that there was no reason for anyone to be worried about uh, whether they were going to be exposed to anything as a result. So um, although, you know, if you were working in a modern nuclear power station, mm. Knowing about the risk of infertility, you would have your blood and urine regularly tested to see if there were radionuclides in there. If you were obviously ingesting something or there was some kind of damage happening, you would then be told about it straight away. If there was a problem, you would be uh, told that you could no longer work with radiation. You'd be compensated. You get pension. You would be moved somewhere else, but keep your job. These things would happen. These guys at Christmas Island. Um, who were not dressed up like I hate it when we use this picture. I really do. I'm gonna have to have a word with the subs because this is 
a picture of guys who were one of the Apple tests, but it was taken for propaganda. And so they all got the glasses and the hoods on. And most of the guys there were in shorts and boots. So we shouldn't really be using these pictures. Uh, but they had their blood and urine tested at Christmas Island. And we've got pages and pages of proof and evidence that, that these orders were given and that the bloods were taken. And they never told the guys the results. So people come home. And they don't know if they're going to have birth defects. They don't know if they're going to have trouble conceiving. And when they do have trouble conceiving, there's never an explanation as to why. The doctors go, well, I don't know, because no one's done the science to look and see if it was the nuclear test that were maybe responsible. And there's unfortunately, um, it will have come as no surprise, really, to one of the guys who's featured in this story today. Uh, were he here, Alfred Trott, that's him. Uh, would know all about this. Now, Alfred told friends that what had happened to him at Op Grapple on Christmas Island mm -hmm. was probably the reason why he never married. He was on Christmas Island in 57 and 58 for the big H-bombs, hydrogen bombs. Now, Alf died alone a couple of weeks ago uh, in hospital and only volunteers from his local branch of the military charity, SAFA, really rang around the hospitals to see where he'd got to and then are now taking great care over his funeral. Now, his friends in, in Hackney in East London are searching for any old comrades comrades of Alf and distant relatives, maybe, to attend his funeral and come along. It's in a couple of weeks. But, Jess, this is the, the human cost mm. that happened to these men. Some were infertile. Some were too terrified of birth defects to try to have children, and their marriages may have broken up as a result. And I've met several like that. Mm. Some found that women didn't want to marry them because they'd heard rumours about the test. Alf here, although he's very private, never really spoke about his personal life. He just, he knew there was something amiss with it, but he never really knew what. He never really said what. Uh, and it's quite likely he never knew whether the radiation had caused him any particular problems. He just, he blamed that for the reason he never married. He spent his whole life alone, apart from his little dogs who were his constant companions. And that's, that's the impact of what's happened to 22,000 men who served their country. Uh, uh, it's just heartbreaking when you think of anyone in that situation where they're at their, on their own at the end of their life, especially people that have, you know, like I said before, they served the country, they've done their bit for England and for Britain, and yet at the end they're kind of sort of let down and uh, and they you know they haven't got that i mean obviously we, we don't know in his circumstance exactly why you know maybe he 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 chose not to go down that route or didn't want to get married but if that is the case that he was worried about the sort of family issues and the birth defects then obviously it's it's a great tragedy and the fact that the the, the fact that the government still not just do that small honor of giving them the medals that they promise last year eventually uh it just feels it just feels like another slap in the face it's just like why would you not what what is what is the problem with honoring these people who have put themselves at risk and f for those watching that don't know what it was i mean it was horrendous what they went through on christmas island wasn't it it's I mean, this was years and years of testing the nuclear bombs and the hydrogen bombs to see what the effect was. And people were sent in without the protective gear, as he said, um, in you know boots and shorts and, and <laughs> in circumstances that would seem absolutely unimaginable today. Mm. Uh, it, 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 uh, can you tell us more a little bit about what exactly went on down at Christmas? There was there was at least 15 years of the first bomb tests 
atomic and hydrogen bombs and also minor sort of plutonium experiments in the Australian outback. They happened off the coast of Australia, on mainland Australia and on Christmas Island in the South Pacific. And they, it was the biggest tri-service operation since D-Day. And it was all kept as quiet as possible. Uh, it was when they came home, it generally got hushed up because there were lots of anti-nuclear protests and the politicians didn't really want to discuss it too openly. Um, but the men who are there have reported their children have 10 times the normal rate of birth defects. The MODs never studied that either. Um, their wives have had three times the normal rate of miscarriages. The MODs never studied that either. Um, and they've never studied you know, what's happened or given an explanation if it wasn't radiation, what else it could possibly have been. That's kind of part of the trouble. But what do you think, everybody? Do you think that um, the infertility is the is worth looking at now? I mean, it is a long time ago. It's something that most of these guys, although they some most of them have died, there's about 1,500 of these 22,000 are still alive. Um, do you think they still deserve those answers? Or do you think that perhaps it's best to let sleeping dogs lie? We all know that radiation is terribly bad for you. Uh, let's Let's leave it there and move on maybe shut up Boniface stop talking about it uh let us know um now Alf's family uh we think he was born in Bristol around 1936 his mother's maiden name was Vasey Rose Vasey there's not many of those in the world uh his father was a William Trot um and he used to live in Hackney and one of his favorite little dogs was called Maisie so if you remember him from Hackney if you are Vasey from Bristol if you um, happen to know anything that might help trace some of the relatives of Alf and his more immediate family, we think we found his birth record, but unfortunately he had no siblings. So we've got to go back a generation and then come forward again. And it's, it's a bit sticky to try and find this in the public record. But we do need people to come along to his funeral to try and get in touch with me, please. Um, part of the trouble, of course, is that the MD can't do a study on infertility now because most of these men have died. Mm. But as you said, Jess, they are still waiting for this medal, which was mm. promised last November. Mm. Applications weren't opened until the end of March, which is kind of mind boggling. Um, and there's now there's more than 1500 people have applied for these medals. A thousand of them are veterans. And when you consider there may only be 1500 alive, that's that is an astonishing rate. Yeah for a medal um if the mod hurries up with it and if they can find the relatives then alf's family would be able to apply for one on his behalf had they done it a bit sooner of course alf could have applied for his own couldn't he that is, is, is awful to the, the fact that they've had to do this campaign to get a medal to get recognition for their service that they did there is shocking enough anyway, um, as as you well know, because you've been leading it all this time. Um, the fact that, you know, it was made as a, a promise by Rishi um, in November that they would do this. I believe that there had been initial talks with Boris Johnson beforehand that have finally got the ball rolling. But then it kind of feels like Rishi came in, left it five months, but... Obviously, I mean, yes, it, it, in fact, as it goes in the country, probably wasn't top of his list right then. But these are men who are of a certain age, like you say. And, uh, you know, it, there, there isn't long to be able to get them that medal to show actually we do actually respect what you've done and respect what you've been through. Whether the rights and wrongs of whether there should have been more testing or not. Perhaps they didn't know at the time. Perhaps the knowledge wasn't there. I, I, you know, as you say, the science. They knew. 
there. They knew exactly what they were doing. All the planning documents proved they knew that they were radiating. There could be all sorts of like reasons there. Whatever they are, at least acknowledge these people for their sacrifice that they've done. And 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 my you know my question as well is for those that did have children and had the sort of birth defects. There's obviously like you're saying, is it worth you know uh, pursuing this? Well, yes, because it's. One, it sort of tells us about other situations where people might have been exposed to radiation and how long this process can continue down the generations. Because what about those children with birth defects? If they then had children, what's happening then? So there's still sort of real world sort of today issues that can be learned from this, apart from the fact of literally just giving the respect to people that gave their lives to the country. Exactly. And they didn't just protect us, they protected millions of our um our allies around the world as well people in australia know they're not going to be invaded because britain's got nuclear weapons it's that serious uh, we're not worried about Putin coming over here from ukraine because we have nuclear weapons mm. and all our armed forces in every conflict since 1952 have fought a conventional war because we've got nuclear weapons uh, now mike says how are it seems johnny mercer who's the veterans minister and ben wallace who's the defense secretary at loggerheads over something that had been agreed previously yeah i reported as mike has adequately trailed thank you mike um uh, last week that there's a bit of a tory split over these medals so the office of veterans affairs and johnny mercer was sort of leading on the medal within the cabinet office and making it getting all the approvals through and pushing it but the ministry of defense is the organization which has the medal office which is handling the applications the commission the design and then the final instruction to a factory somewhere to produce it and uh, i heard last night that it's that bit which is delayed it's the actual production of the medal which hasn't happened yet it's been signed off it's been approved it's just sitting on somebody's desk while men like Alf unfortunately are dying. And I think the, the central issue really is because Veterans Affairs used to be within the MOD. It's now been taken out. Mercer sits in cabinet as a minister while Ben Wallace, you know, has lost a little bit of his, uh, you know, his, his, his territory, if you like. And there's a bit of a turf war going on. There's some willy waving happening. Uh, and unfortunately, that these guys are caught in the middle of it. So we'll have to see how things pan out. But obviously, the mirror will keep reporting on it and we'll keep putting pressure on them. Now, uh, we need to move on. And inside the paper on pages six and seven today is the story of one woman who would like you to know what the NHS is really all about. Now, who is this Jess and what is she saying? It's Inira Thomas, and I uh, apologies if I've pronounced it wrong. Um, Naira. 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 I do apologize. I knew I would get it wrong, and I didn't know I was going to be the first to say it. So <laughs> that's all. Um, it's obviously it can be shortened to Nye, and she, given away by her name, is the first baby born on the NHS at one minute past midnight on July 5th, 1948. Now, we're obviously about to celebrate our 75th uh, birthday or 75th anniversary of the launch of the NHS, which was pioneered by Nye Bevan, hence why she was called the female version of the name in Wales. Um, now, she's, she's spoken out talking about her passion for the NHS, but also a warning again of what the Tories are doing to it. And it's that age old tale of Tory cuts, um, you know, not protecting what is one of our, 
biggest sort of national treasures as such in theory um and it's that feeling that tories she says it herself uh they they don't care as much because they've got enough money to pay for private health care effectively mm. um that's she's feeling whether that's the case or not whether it's something else or not whether it's the ongoing bid for privatization because of you know companies here and there and all these sort of things that you hear going on that you just think the sort of sickening feeling of people that are seeing a money opportunity there um, 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 what should be a great institution there's been, I mean, there's been, I mean, there's been years and it's been years and every, every government has struggled with how to manage the NHS. But she is just wanting to say this on the birthday. Look, this is a fantastic institution, but let's protect it because it is in trouble at the moment. Exactly. Um, I think it's worth We've got a slight problem with the sound. I think it's going to clear up. Hopefully the viewers haven't had to see it too much. But... Um, one of the things that's worth pointing out, I think, is that picture of Nye, uh, Anoira, is actually outside the maternity unit where she was born in 1948, mm. which you can see, uh, those on podcasts are going to have to take my word for this, it's gone to rack and ruin, it's been shut down, uh, it's just been broken into by local kids for graffiti and to do sort of unofficial ghost tours and things like this. The windows are busted, the tiles have come off the roof, there's grass growing in the car park. Um and that, that's what's happened to the maternity services that were there. Now, part of the, um, Anira says, you know, she took her first breath in the NHS and please God, she hoping it will be there for her when she takes her last breath too. She calls it the jewel in Britain's crown. She says to see it being dragged down is horrendous. And she points out that when Nye Bevan set it up in 1948, there were plans for salaries for the medics to rise in line with inflation every year. But under Tory austerity policies, it was as little as, after 2010, it was as little as 1% some years, which of course was effectively was a big cut. And that meant the whole thing's been hollowed out. It wasn't just reducing pay, it was reducing retention, it was reducing job satisfaction, it was reducing or increasing burnout and things like this. Now she says that uh, a Nuremberg Bevan would turn in his grave if he knew what had been done to it. For a lot of people, Jess, the NHS is all about money, isn't it? People talk about it as money, how much it costs, how much we have to cut those costs, uh, how difficult it is now to get payback to where it should always have been. And it's money, 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 money. But I don't know what your last experience the NHS was, but mine have been to do with children dashing to hospital with a funny rash and uh, a suspected appendicitis and stuff and suddenly getting you know five six doctors coming through with an immense experience and for free and able to work out whether or not they need to carry out surgery on your child that would just not be possible if there wasn't an nhs i would have a child with suspected appendicitis and i'd be sitting there going i don't know because there'd be nothing i could do about it and there's no way i could afford five or six doctors to all have a look and give a different opinion or or concur in their opinions, you know? I think everyone, everyone in the country, I mean, obviously we're of a, we're very sort of privileged age and we were born into a time that we did have the NHS. There will be some people out there that do remember pre-NHS, obviously we're only coming up to the 75th. Um, and it, I mean, the alternatives to it, um, are quite terrifying from when we look abroad. I mean, everyone always sort of points a finger at America and, and what happens there if you can't have, you know, you don't have your health care through your job or you lose your job and you lose rights and all of that extra thing. I think all of us, the chill that would go through us if you thought, 
I've got to go to um, A&E, but, you know, I've got to have my insurance documents. I mean, we we are very, very lucky to have this situation. Yes, we do. We do all pay for it because it comes out from our national insurance, which I think sometimes people sort of go, you know, it isn't free, but it's 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 free at the point of of delivery to us so that we do not have to worry about that and if we can't pay and we can't contribute to our national insurance we don't we are not turned away at the door of the hospital so i mean how many lives have been saved because of it is astounding what's 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 you know sad is is a fact that people have been looking so much at budgets and the money has gone in the wrong places and you know we've got there's a lot of money goes to the NHS but why why are they not prioritizing this above you know some of the other things that money gets spent on you know why why, why are we trying to cut corners on what should be the jewel in the crown because at, at the moment yes it is but people are having mixed experiences with it. And if it goes wrong for you, then obviously that's a, a travesty. And that shouldn't be, it's not fair on people to have that after years. We come to rely on this. And it shouldn't be, a, I've been lucky with the NHS and I've had a great response. Or I've been slightly unlucky. I had a locum who did, you know, this because the GPs can't fill that, that spot. And they this is what I would, would say if he was here, Jess, is that it shouldn't boil down to luck. That, yes. was, that was what he was trying to take out of the problem of healthcare in this country. Saying, if you're lucky to be rich, you can have healthcare. If you're unlucky enough to be poor, you cannot have healthcare. And we've got a similar thing now. If you're unlucky to live next to um, a, a hospital which doesn't have the right funding or has got particular problems or it's structurally failing or something, if your GPs don't want to work in the area where you happen to live mm. and they want to go and live somewhere else instead, then you are unlucky enough. You not get the right healthcare. Now, what do you think, everybody? Do you think that the cost we pay for the NHS is too much and it needs to come down? Or do you think we need to stop talking about the cost of the NHS and start talking about perhaps the price we would pay if we don't have one? Now, we have an economy that's about £3 trillion a year in this country. Mm. How much of that would we have if there was no NHS? If mums died in childbirth at the natural rate, which is about 1 in 1,500, rather than 11 in 100,000, which is the only reason that I'm alive, my daughter's alive and my mother's alive. Um, if everyone who had cancer had to become a meth manufacturer like in Breaking Bad in order to pay their medical bills and their treatment. If when you died, all right, you would get to be at home and you'd be surrounded by whatever members of your family are still talking to you. But there would be no oxygen, no analgesia, no diagnosis, no palliative care, no mitigation for whatever it is you have to suffer at the end of your life. No breathing machines, no dialysis. How many people has the NHS saved today in the last 24 hours and in doing that how much tax have we saved how many workers have we Ooh. saved and preserved for the future how many families have we saved from grief and poverty and suicide and stress and pain no one seems to do those sums it's all cost 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 the nhs costs 180 billion and it's growing every year and people want to live longer and they're all obese and it's your own stupid fault why do we have to pay out for you and in fact to us the NHS is just one big benefit. It's it just it saves Britain so much money and so much trouble. And yet we just talk about what we what we have to spend on it. 
you know, it's like complaining about how much your mortgage is when the fact is that it gives you a roof over your head and an investment for the future. I mean, all right, we don't all want mortgage costs, but if you have a home and you're dry and you're warm and you're safe, you're doing better than most humans in human history, aren't you? There is. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's a good point, but I think our main our main issue here with the NHS and what she was saying is is that it should be equal for everyone. You shouldn't fear what's going to happen to you when you get there. Are you going to be lucky? Are you going to have a good thing? Are you going to have a good response? Is it going to be a long wait in A and E? And and most of these most of these causes of that, of like you touched upon, have been about sort of staff retention people not wanting to work there because the pay is not good enough, which is, you know, fair enough, people should be getting the pay that they deserve for these long hours. So it's a job very few of us would willingly be able to take on or willingly want to take on should we have the necessary training because of the sort of the arduousness of it. Um, It's amazing what people do and um, you know the fact that they are so self uh selfless to to take on these sort of like the not just sort of the doctors and the nurses but the the porters and all the support people there and people that work tireless long hours in order to help other people um you know it's the fact that we've got retention problems because that we've got hiring problems i mean there's so many vacancies that just can't be filled because no one either doesn't want to work there or they literally cannot afford to work there under the current system if they've got a family they've got a budget for it they're being offered other money to work elsewhere why would they do that um it's it, we've got a we've got a query come up here i'll i'll, I'll read it shall i yes richard charman has said uh, if the level of taxation as a percentage was applied to people in relative terms to that when the nhs was created I wonder how much we would be spending currently, assuming all costs and all funding was scaled up to reflect current costs, while stripping out excess profits being realised by private sector contractors. Yeah. That was something I was about to say about the amount of private, the sort of privatisation by sort of stealth that has happened over the last sort of 20, 30 years with like certain bits being put out to private companies, as we all know, we've probably all experienced it. Um, and we're all well aware that, whenever that happens there's some extra money being made along the way so it's that sort of short-sighted let's you know put that out to private people to help with bringing down the target list but then you're you're actually hurting the bigger picture and it's been too many sticky plasters for too long on the nhs it's kind of caused a bit of a mess Mm. of of we've got these great resources but people are being sort of hampered into being able to best use them to keep it as the jewel in the crown very interested in what that question was there on um on what the cost would be perhaps it's some sums that we should be doing have a look at that and see if what what it would be today in today's funded the way it was supposed to be funded Um, i think that i'm probably right in saying that at least at some point during the nhs's history we've had a higher tax burden and we've spent more of our GDP on healthcare than we do now. We, we spend very little of our GDP on healthcare now compared to other nations, um, as the COVID inquiry has learned. But of course, we are expecting the NHS to do more. 
and to help more people live with chronic long-term conditions. Uh, Labour Party is saying they're not going to end privatisation in the NHS. They would they would keep some part of that going because they feel it's necessary. Um, but what do you think, everybody? Do you think the NHS is on the right track? Do you think it's uh, when we mark it 75 years on Wednesday, is that going to be a positive thing or is it going to be a bit of a sticky moment? Uh, how do we how do we feel about whether the governments are tracking these things or even Labour or Tories? How are they attacking these things? Are they doing it right? Should we need to stop talking about the costs and start talking about the price instead? Mm. Um, let Get into the comments and let us know. But in the meantime, uh, we have managed to find some good news in the world. And here it is. Now, Luke Mortimer, that's him there at the front of the picture, was struck down with a bacterial infection called meningococcal meningitis when he was just seven. He had to have both hands and both feet amputated and he lost 50% of his skin. Now, he moved into a bungalow uh, with his parents and I hope that it'd be better uh, for him to deal with uh, the things that he needed to have the adaptations and so on and his dad Adam who's a builder started to adapt it for him but he found it's just all getting a bit much there was too much for him to do on his own uh, so a team of uh, very charitable men called Band of Builders who all work for free got involved and in a very short space of time they fitted a shower room underfloor heating flooring they hope to finish the whole project this week that's them pictured there with Adam or with Luke sorry uh, and it means that Luke will get his adapted home sooner and that his dad, Adam, can get back to work earning money for his family, which is why you invest in things for people who need more help. Now, Jess, is this proof that if you build things properly for those who need it most in the first place and then deliver it free at the point of need, uh, that it will all end up eventually paying for itself? I love this little analogy here to back to the NHS again. Um, but yes, it's very, very nice. I, obviously, it's a beautiful, heartwarming story. Um, it's a sort of a bit like DIY SOS, but off their own back. I mean, what a wonderful thing to be doing. What you know, And a lot, a lot of hard work by these people that have volunteered to do this for his little boy, for little Luke. And yes, you're right. It's His dad can get back to work. He can do things. Just it's a happy happier thing for the family of something that the community can help do for him um poor little boy like having to go through that but i mean he 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 seems he looks you know like he's really chuffed with what they've done for him so i mean that is a lovely a lovely sort of heartwarming new exactly. story and mm-hmm. and i think one thing one thing we should say is because that was a lovely analogy for the nhs is is Gosh, we are so grateful for it and for all the people that work there. And, you know, the amount of times that, you know, I personally have benefited um, from it. People that we know have benefited from it. Everybody knows someone that's been there. And I think, you know, people just want to keep it as something that is the best it can be without being without being pulled pillar to post by sort of political uh you know squabbling and and point playing and and who who wants that let's just let it be give them the money they need because the people in the country want the money to go there we'd rather that than subsidized meals down the house of the commons okay so yeah. <laughs> if i had a choice about my tax dollar or tax pounds and that's where it would go <laughs> yeah. it shouldn't have to be that a group of charitable builders come along and, and help a little boy out uh, and make sure that he can live safely and happily independently to some extent in his own home and that he grows up that way and grows up having that positivity 
uh, and is perhaps able to work and get a job later on and all the rest of it. It's not all about money. We're not all tax generating units. Maybe he wouldn't be able to work. But the point is that he should have a happy, healthy life as he possibly oh. It's a lovely story of community coming together there. Exactly. It's, it's great. Well done to Band of Builders. Um, it's a shame you had to do it, I would I would say, yeah. and that there should be the kind of thing that if there was a nationalised care service, which would help the National Health Service a huge amount, okay. then um, then they might be able to provide that kind of thing. Exactly. That's another one of the big issues, as we know. Oh, we got one here, Martin Downs, help from DIY SOS in Blackpool, and it is a great feeling helping others. Oh, I bet it is. I, 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 I mean, I think lo so loads of people, we love that show. It, it's so heartwarming. And thank you, Martin, for taking part and doing that. Cause, yeah, um, well done, Martin. Uh, and well done, everyone, for taking part today. Thank you for watching. Uh, thank you, Jess, for helping explain it all. Well done, Nye Bevan. Well done, Anaira, as well. Uh, we managed to learn how to pronounce your name by the end. And uh, well done, Band of Builders, and to all those in Hackney who are trying to organise Alf Trot's funeral. Uh, you're all going to earn your place in heaven, as far as I'm concerned. Thanks for watching, everybody. We will see you all again on Wednesday, when it is the 75th birthday of the NHS, that glorious old lady which has been keeping us safe all this time. Uh, and I'm sure that will get mentioned on Wednesday. So join us again for another edition of the News Agenda. Till then, tatty bye.